you're listening to Not So Life from Asteroid G, brought to you by MI6. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Finkelstein. With me, as always, is... The other Mike. How you guys doing? We are going to be discussing today James Bond. And, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, this is a long fucking franchise that... <laughs> 26 spend... movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we would spend an hour on this and maybe not even tackle all that needs to be discussed. So instead of going through it movie by movie, although we can touch upon certain ones if you want, I think mm-hmm. it's more important to talk about the Bonds in their franchises as a whole. Because right. when, when a new Bond is introduced, the franchise definitely takes on a different tone each time. Mm-hmm. It, it has to reinvent around the character. Uh, a tradition set really by George Lazenby when he almost jokingly said to the screen, you know, I'm not the other guy, basically. Um, <laughs> which I'm perfectly okay with. If they want to make it about a guy taking over the name, uh, a signed name of James Bond, but that wasn't his real name, then that's an interesting angle, and I'm okay with that being the precedent that's set. But we've mm-hmm. got, we've had, I'm, I'm going to just one, two, three, four, five, six James Bonds with the seven on the way, not counting James Bond Jr. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting to actually analyze their films from the perspective of each of the Bonds. And I'm going to go out there and say the most horrible thing I know anyone who is a Bond fan can hear, I like George Lassenby best. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you only got one film to go off of there, so I'll give you a pass on this film, one. It was a good film, though, okay? It was a good film with Diana Rigg, and there was some real chemistry between them. I really liked that movie. Like, do, do not confuse a great written movie for the greatest Bond in that movie. It's it's a really good movie, but George Lazenby, I mean, he's, he's, he's fine. All the Bonds are fine. All the Bonds I mean, are fine. Let's put it that way. All the Bonds are fine. That's Let's why they're Bond. You're not going <laughs> to... To Connery, to Lazenby, there's a reason why Connery came back for one more. It's all in the second. <laughs> um, it was it was more negotiating at that point. They really wanted Shaw Connery for the Lazenby one, from what I saw. True, uh, true. But he wanted too much money, and so they recast him. And then when they finally were able to lure him back, they were like, sorry, Lazenby, we're, we're going to get the real Bond back. Which yeah, and, and then they paid up for Connery in the end anyway. <laughs> and I feel bad because Lazenby, like, Maybe he's not the best Bond, although I really like his movie and I like the, like how they built that movie. Um, it's a really great movie. It it's is. one of the better Bond movies for sure. I'll give it you that. Is. I think he could have been good in the role if they'd given him another one or two movies to really flesh him out better. Like mm-hmm. There was a part of him that I think really would have handled the mourning of his wife dying at the end of the, that, his one movie. And I would have mm-hmm. liked to have seen what he could have done with the future of that character as opposed to... Connery's next movie, almost dismissing it like it was nothing and moving on. Yeah, it's. Yeah. It, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, Diamonds Are Forever comes after Honor Majesty's Secret Service, and and you know Connery doing Connery things. He he made Bond what it was, and and Lazenby did a fine job, and then Bond, you know, Connery came back and put the Connery swag on it like he would. He did. So he did, and you he know, came back again. Came back again uh, years later for Thunderball, which is not a great James Bond movie, but it's actually more watchable than I think people give it credit for. Those beginning Bond villains too are, are pretty compelling, um, and you know there's a lot of really good stuff in there. Um, and you know for Spectre and and you know this evil franchise that MI6 is going against to try to protect the world and everything. It's there's a lot of really just good storytelling in this world. Yeah, and I mean even the Bonds that I don't really like, I didn't much care for Roger Moore of all of them. They even have one or two movies that are decent. I did like The Man with the Golden Gun, despite the fact that I thought that Roger Moore was too hammy and too dumb to play a proper James Bond. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. He has I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven films for Roger Moore. He's yeah. the, he the longest with Connery. Wow, look at mm-hmm. that. 
very interesting. And he some good movies in there. Moonraker's very very good. Uh, Moonraker's really kill. dumb, but it's it's enjoyably stupid. Yeah, it's in, it is. It's enjoyably dumb. Um, and <laughs> the man with the golden gun is fantastic. Um, the view to kill pretty really good i mean there's a really a lot of just good movies in this franchise overall and then you know you get after roger moore you have timothy dalton you know his cup of coffee two movies here the living daylights and license to kill both pretty solid movies but i yeah. dalton i i think roger moore was was kind of a b-list sean connery impression timothy dalton was just there timothy dalton did the timothy dalton thing uh, mm-hmm. which was weird for the franchise i think had he existed in a vacuum, he would have been great as Bond. I liked what he did for his version of the character. And mm-hmm. I mean, the two movies that he got to do, they're actually, they're, they're pretty decent. Living Dialects of the License to Kill are watchable. Um, mm-hmm. He was not the first choice of the producers. They really wanted Pierce Brosnan for the role. Uh, but I guess he was too young or too unknown or any combination of that. So they went with Dalton. And then when uh, they had a big contract dispute and they had to go and renegotiate and timothy dalton wanted too much money they went with pierce brosnan afterwards so it worked out for everyone involved um but no i I like dalton i think dalton's interesting as a darker take on the character not Mm -hmm. as interesting in that perspective though as daniel craig yeah i think daniel craig um you know we'll we'll touch on pierce brosnan you know first obviously but daniel craig i thought was a fantastic bond uh Mm -hmm. but let's let's not get too far ahead of ourselves and again the the two the two movies though the living daylights and license to kill just they're very good quality movies the villains Uh are, are really great villains in that movie um so it's just really good overall movies and you know could have loved to have seen more of Dalton as Bond, I guess, but I, I think they did the right decision. There's a six-year gap between Dalton and Brosnan here, between mm-hmm. License to Kill and Goldeneye, and Goldeneye kind of really reinvigorated, you know, the Bond franchise for, for I would say, our generation in that mid-90s to kind of, you know, this is a thing from the 60s, but guess what? It's still good, and, and you know, I, I'm, I'm, I bought it. I was there for it. Yeah, no, Goldeneye is the best of the four Brosnan movies. I feel like after Goldeneye... Um, <laughs> Although he doesn't act like Roger Moore, the movies around him act like Roger Moore movies. There's something <laughs> cartoonishly stupid about the adventures they put Pierce Brosnan's very slick, very prim and British secret agent in the middle of. And I mean, Pierce Brosnan is great for the role because he had he, did, he played another secret agent before that that inspired them to hire him for that in the first place. Remington Steele ran for five years. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's doofy and it's dumb. Uh, and maybe the movies kind of suit the Remington Steel kind of thing, but Brosnan was able to elevate himself above it with a little bit of a wink and a swagger, you know? Yeah, and he was a really good Bond. He really brought that, like, you know, that that real just Britishness to the role that you yes. would expect from someone from MI6. And, you know, just the, the, the chiseled jawline, you know, slick hair kind of Bond appearance that you would expect from, you know, mm-hmm. someone that is a, a secret agent. Um, and, you know, a lot of really good casts with him as well in, in some of the roles. Uh, Femke Jackson in GoldenEye was amazing. Um, you know, Michelle Yeoh, uh, now an award-winning actress, Oscar winner, uh, was part of the franchise in Tomorrow Never Dies. Just some really quality people in these movies with him to kind of enhance the whole cast, which I think is really great. Counterpoint, the fourth one also had Denise Richards, or third one mm. had Denise Richards, which is not a great casting choice. Christmas, Christmas, I skipped Joe. that one. <laughs> I know. I know you did. I'm not letting you get away with it, though. Christmas well, we'll Jones. Uh, the, the, again, sticking with the, the hammy Bond theme of what we're right. going to call, you know, the yeah. air quote love 
interest, I guess you'd say, um, of, of, of the franchise. Of, uh, but I mean, you know, Halle Berry in, in the next, we'll skip over Denise Richards, she's fine. Halle, Halle Berry did a great job in Dying of the Dead. And it's um, terrible, terrible fucking movie. That's I I liked it no. because I, I just I just did because I like Bond, but it is very weak upon rewatch. That yeah, is I, for sure. I went into it. I, I tried to go into all these movies and I watched them a while ago uh, to mm-hmm. give everyone their due chance because it's important when you're reviewing things to give everything its due chance. And I got to the point where he's windsurfing on a tsunami, and it's so <laughs> obviously CGI to the point that it's, I'm just like, what are we even doing here, guys? This is bad. <laughs> It's like what happened to the Fast and the Furious franchise, which originally started out like about the cars and then went to like, how much can we make these things like, you know, suddenly submarines in movies? Like, it's like, okay, you stay in your lane, you know, please. Yeah, I just, I don't, that, that moment right there ruined that sec- section of films for me. It was just, it was bad. And it's tragic to think that, you know, that's the movie that he went out with. When just like mm-hmm. a couple years later, Mission Impossible three would come out and prove how interesting stunts could be. Casino Royale comes right. out. Fucking Jason Bourne, his first movie, The Bourne Identity, comes out. Yeah. And Brosnan starts to look like an artifact. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? yeah. Just, you forget that he was almost, you know, uh, a, an image of like you know spy elite at at some point when all these other movies come out where the people are just doing it better. Yeah. Um, with you know a much more compelling story, much more uh, compelling villains to a degree as well. I of the Daniel Craig era, I like, and I'm I'm gonna be blasphemous again. I actually like the first two. I think mm-hmm. Quantum of Solace is actually a pretty good follow up. I know there's a lot of James Bond fans that hate it and prefer the movies that come after. Uh, like, No Time to Die was fine, but Skyfall and Spectre didn't interest me much at all. But Casino mm. Royale is really two-thirds of a good movie with a really tacked-on final act that should have been a second film. Yeah, it's uh, quite a long runtime at 144 minutes. It's a, it's a long movie. I mean, I'm looking at you know some of the other ones. Uh, Quantum of Solace, a, a tight hour, uh, 106 minutes right there. It really kind of like they could have took Casino Royale and, and split off that last little bit at the end. Uh, great, great movie. Mads Mikkelsen as a villain in that movie too. Oh, is he just not an incredible actor? I could watch him literally in anything and just be into it. Um, Bring it around to Hannibal again. If you haven't watched it, you should go watch Mad Mickelson be mm-hmm. Hannibal Lecter in Hannibal because oh my god, so good. Uh, he's just he's just a really just quality yeah. actor yeah. and just you know brings a lot of passion to what he does. So yeah. uh, you know, top notches here. And that's it. Casino Royale is fantastic. Kind of a remake and a retelling to a degree of some of the earlier Bond stories, mm-hmm. um, which you know I could get behind because you know it's Doing them a little more modern is something that I think can bring some relatability to it. Um, so I, w- I enjoyed it. Quantum of is quite good to me as well. Um, I like Skyfall. I, for, you know, more so like, I think just like what affects um, Bond here with losing M and, and whatnot. And, and, you know, she was kind of that, that rock for him you know throughout the movies and throughout the franchise to a degree that like when she's gone like how does this really affect this guy and and it it does to a tremendous degree really affect him and i think that um the villain in that movie javier bardem is really great um so i i encourage a possible rewatch of skyfall maybe um but i hear what you're saying about it not being as strong as the well then 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 you know you're good i know i know my feelings (laughs) on the matter Uh, my problem is and this is so this is like 
I, I get coming at it from just a viewer perspective. I, unfortunately, as a person who does screenwriting and has done written projects for decades now, I can't really analyze movies in that respect. It's nice to have your perspective on here because you see things differently than I do and how Josh does because Josh is also a screenwriter. So it's good to get your perspective on these things. Um, mm -hmm. Casino Royale's big issue for me, and you, you kind of said it, but like that, the, it's not just the runtime. It's that the movie sets up a clear villain point mm -hmm. and climax. And then there's an entire extra act at the end that doesn't relate to any of that and really has another story going on. Um, and I get that they wanted to use it as a way to kill the Bond girl there when really Ava Green should have just been in every fucking movie ever because she's amazing. Um, mm -hmm. But they should have saved that for another film or the opening act to Quantum of Solace or something. That's, that's the screenwriting problem with that. You've already finished your story. Why are you continuing your movie? In the case of Skyfall, my big issue with that is that it falls into the same problem that so many other movies have had since The Dark Knight. We have a villain mm -hmm. who willingly gets themselves captured, uh, and it's all part of his master plan, ignoring the fact that in The Dark Knight, the Joker doesn't have a master plan. He just sent a bunch of chaotic things out, and while he's there in the moment, he's like, oh, I can use this to my advantage, and makes a master plan out of him being captured. That mm -hmm. wasn't his plan at all. He would have been perfectly happy just continuing to carnage wherever he went and just seeing what happened. But Javier Bardeen's character purposely gets captured so he can be part of it. And then there are so many other villains that have done the same thing, and I hate this trope so much. <laughs> it, it's definitely um, you know, been there, done that in, mm -hmm. in many movies. So I hear you uh, yeah. on that angle. I, I'm just I'm partial to Javier Bardem as an, an actor, actor as well. Yeah, he's a good so, actor. Uh, I don't, I don't I debate think, that point. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the relationship between him and M, I thought, and the reason mm -hmm. for what he was doing, I, I liked it. Um, I thought that I believed it as a character. Um, but I mean, it, you, you talking about the, the villain getting himself captured. I mean, they did that in one of the Avengers movies. Yes. Uh, you, you, the Loki. list can go on. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, you know, Loki I, did it. Yeah. And the, the other, uh, the guy, um, uh, looking for winter soldier, uh, also did it. Uh, oh, God, Zemo, Zemo, uh, yeah. also did it. Got himself captured on purpose. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so, like, I it, hate that trope. It's overplayed, it um, and, and this movie, when did that come out? Uh, 2012, so maybe it was kind of like at the touch of the beginning of when this kind of started being a thing and almost like a, a, a reason for villains to get captured, but I, I hear you. It, it, I mean, I guess they want to be there to kind of, you know, see what they're doing behind the strings and see the people affecting them in real time, so I guess I get that. Um, but I, I liked the relationship between um, Javier Bardem and M. I, I liked that dynamic. And and when she dies, I mean, you know, you felt for James. You felt for James. Motivation. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I I appreciate that more than the stupid. Oh, by the way, the leader of Spectre is also your brother. Like, why? Why <sighs> even do that? I I, I don't know. <laughs> we we had touched upon this in the last podcast with. Michael Myers and Laurie Strode, they don't need to be siblings for the relationship to work. They yeah, can they just don't need... hate each other. Two, two sides of the same coin, I guess, if you're going we're here, the good versus the evil, the light versus the dark. I love your Martin's character. We didn't need it again. You didn't need it again. You really didn't. It, no. Spectre, to me, I'm, I mean, it, boy, that grossed a lot of money. Uh, not quite as much as some of the other ones, but quite a lot of money. Uh, I think that is the, the weakest of the Daniel Craig mm -hmm. ones. I, I was not the biggest fan of it, and I had really high hopes, you know, bringing Spectre back, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, from one of the original, you know, villains of Bond, you know, the, this this face marked franchise of evil that, you know, you're always struggling against, and then, oh, guess what? Hi, I'm your brother, James. Like, 
uh, hi, I guess we're not getting together at Christmas anymore or right? something. Sure. <laughs> like the, the brother you thought was dead for 30 years, surprisingly, he's back. Which also says not very much about how good you are at a secret agent. I mean, like, come on. You can't even figure out your your adopted brother is still alive? Like, dude. The, the, yeah, the they first they thing picked I the did. wrong hero, then. They picked the wrong hero, because the brother is obviously better at so this than you are. So much better at the job. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, but, I mean, it's, it's, it's fine. I Whatever. thought the, um, the fifth one, No Time to Die, was fine as a way to tie up the series. It was... Yeah. decent. It, it it did what it needed to do. It was still kind of tropey in places. And mm. I... Uh, like, the whole... They clearly want to kill James Bond. And so they set right. it up to kill James Bond. And you can just feel the gears of the movie grinding to make sure James Bond dies. Like It was a lot of hoops to jump through to yes. make sure that this had to happen. And, had to happen. And, and I get it. Like The, the story wrapped up pretty nicely of... Mm-hmm. For Daniel Craig's Bond there, and you know to to touch back on that Bond, it's it's not a person, it's it's a code name, and Double it's seven, it's yep. a, yeah, it's a persona that is adopted among the best of the best spies that MI6 has to offer. So there will be another Bond, and yes, there's going to be another Bond, obviously. Um, but I thought it was a fitting end. Um, for this incarnation of Bond. I thought Daniel Craig did an amazing job. I would still watch him do Bond things, um, but I know he was ready to move on, uh, I'm sure, and and done some brilliant side work as well. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the two most recent uh, good movies that I like were Knives Out and uh, Glass Onion. Oh if you God, haven't yes. seen them, whoo, were yes. those some really good movies? And, and I hope tell- we get more of, of, of that character for sure in Hell the future. Yeah. You can tell he had way more fun doing that than he ever had doing James Oh, Bond. yeah. Oh, yeah. The the, the, the southern hokey, like, yes. foghorn, leghorn draw. That he, <laughs> I'm just a simple country bumpkin over here who's just a brilliant mastermind that's going to find out why you kill somebody. Was, like, I, yeah, oh, my God. That, that scene, not, not to go into detail, but the scene in the second movie <laughs> where there's a whole murder mystery set up as a party game. Oh, man. He, he, like it's supposed to take them three hours. He tears it apart in five seconds and doesn't. It's supposed to take up the whole weekend. Yeah, it's supposed to take yeah. up the whole weekend, and he nails it in like ten minutes. Like, yeah, flippantly so dismisses it so he can focus on something else, and it's just so hilarious and cruel. I love oh. that. Oh, oh. I'm, a, I'm a huge, huge fan of that character. I hope we get more <laughs> of him. I really do. But yeah, no, but. and I'm. I'm I don't. I know this isn't what they're gonna do. They're gonna make another James Bond, James Bond, and they're gonna move mm-hmm. on with the franchise, probably in a reboot continuity, so we can have the character without all the cruft again, which is what they did for Daniel Craig's character. But mm-hmm. I gotta say, I really rather liked the new 007 that they introduced. Nomi Lashana La- La- Lynch. She was the one mm-hmm. who took over the 007 number in the fifth movie. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I thought she was really interesting. I would watch her again, and in fact, if they brought her in along with um, fucking Anna de Armas's Paloma, who was great in her one scene with Daniel Craig at the midpoint of the movie in Cuba, mm-hmm. oh my god, I would watch those two just go and rampage around the world as James Bond and assistant for, like, ever. Like, yeah, give I- me all their movies. I'd like to see, you know, an interesting... I, I don't know who the next Bond is going to be. I, I haven't seen it. Maybe you do. I don't even know that. Yeah. I, I would love to see a, a female take mm-hmm. on Bond. Um, you know, kind of like the same thing that Doctor Who did yeah. with the female Doctor. Uh, I mean, why not? And you know, I guess, it, I guess what issues could be with it is Bond is like he's very much just not only like you know the secret agent spy, but just a very much embodiment of masculinity and just well, yeah. and, and just very. 
chauvinistic almost, I guess yeah. you'd say. That's that's why you go with Nomi. You just make it 007, but you don't say James Bond 007. Just 007, give her mm-hmm. a movie or two while whoever is going to be the next quote-unquote James Bond can play mm-hmm. like junior agent or something. And then when Nomi has to like drop out naturally for her character, then you bring in this new guy, like you're James Bond now, and you just move the franchise forward, but you get a break. And I think that's something that would be interesting for the series is just exploring the world with the agents, but having a break from the main character for a movie or two. Like um, one of the best movies of the Star Wars franchise of recent memory was Rogue One, which is, Mm -hmm. it's it's almost a break for the main characters and the main story while still being somewhat related because it's exploring the universe. People liked it, even though it ties in eventually, it's interesting to see the, the universe from a different perspective. That's why Andor worked. That's why people mm-hmm. loved the first season of The Mandalorian. I think a movie or two with a different double O in the lead before we go back to just doing James Bond would be an interesting choice and a fun one. I think it'd be a nice, like, to your point, like a little battery recharge for mm-hmm. the franchise to kind of, you know, let's give you know this little bit of extra here, you know, some side offs, you know, the the what 007 is, you know, not just being a man, could be a woman, mm-hmm. and and let's see if we can come in hard with it again uh, a little on down the road. And yeah. you know, talking Rogue One, like, what got me so good with that movie is like you almost forgot at a few points, like, hey, they're not gonna make it. Not gonna make it. <laughs> No. And, and you feel like at some point you're waiting for them to make it and and then you realize oh wait this is a story where they don't and and it get you and, yeah. and and it gets you because you know they're going into their end yeah. and they do it anyway and it was brilliantly done and let's just say that was the best 35 seconds of vader that you got in any movie oh my god yes oh i need god, more yes. of that figure in my life please <laughs> just wrecking shit and taking oh names hell yeah just like Vader in his prime there, mm-hmm. just, you know, force snapping necks through doorways because mm-hmm. he's just an absolute vicious savage. But the way that the most recent James Bond movie clears the deck of legacy, the only mm-hmm. character still left from the from the franchise that ha- would continue on in their role would be, a, well, I guess Money Penny as well, but really uh, M. So mm-hmm. those the, the M, Money Penny, Q, they could continue onwards, or you could recast them and keep the code names and code letters around. But mm-hmm. like, like most of the actual crux, the, the all of Spectre and the lead of Spectre is dead. The other villain is dead. The Bond girl is off of the uh, with a new name and never has to be seen again. Mm-hmm. You have the opportunity to reset the board in a way that I don't think any James Bond movie has really had a chance to. Just by saying we're continuing this continuity without James Bond for a couple movies. It really like really tied a nice bow around that whole little arcing story that mm-hmm. this version of Bond had. Um, and, you know, cleared the deck. Like you said, all the villains are gone, all the heroes are gone, the original M is gone, the the the, the code names are all that's left. And I think that was almost kind of the point. And yeah. what they had to do to make this even more long going that it can go and just have it go for another 50 years, 60 years down the line. Who knows? You know, they really had to kind of like give it that reboot without it being a reboot and really giving it a definitive end. And I thought they did a really good job at this. I saw this movie maybe like a month or two ago, you know, I hadn't seen it in quite a while. Um, I didn't see when it came out. So I watched it a little while ago on a recommendation from a friend. Like, oh yeah, I love Bond. How did I miss this? Let me, let me throw it on and watch it. And it, you know, it's a, a crisp 160 plus minutes. <laughs> but, oh, but, yeah. It moves. But it, it does move. It, it, it didn't feel like it, no, right? It, 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 it did not 
drag like the hour and 40 minutes of like you know some of these other movies have felt like like skyfall felt every bit of an hour and 40 oh minutes my God. it felt longer than that and, and, like- and i liked that movie <laughs> <laughs> and it, it felt long it felt long uh, and then specter just feels interminable oh and, and again like i said such high hopes and that's another 148 minutes of my life i will never get back <laughs> um, get back. It's, uh, i'd rather go back and watch the halloween trilogy again than yeah the- i'd rather do that again but i mean for being 160 minutes almost three hours of movie yeah. lord of the rings territory kind of stuff here and and, and but didn't feel like it it was, yeah, no. it was almost like mm-hmm. tarantino-esque with the way he could do that mm-hmm. with some movies like you know you're watching you're watching and then next thing you know you got to get to go to the bathroom you pause and you have an hour left and like oh shit i've been watching this for two hours oh my god but it didn't feel like it yeah no i agree with you it's it's very watchable it's not the best of his run i do still think the first two probably elevate oh, yeah. the james bond franchise better than anything else could but mm-hmm. it's very watch it's it's the next best of the set for me yeah i agree so. okay so bonds for you then who who would you rank as your favorite Oh, I mean, I, I want to say Pierce Brosnan just cause like that was when I was in my early teens and like, that was like, I guess my bomb, I was just a little too young for Dalton to kind of be my bond in, in those late eighties movies. So Brosnan kind of like was the bond that I grew up with, I guess I'd say. Um, but I don't want to say, I, I would say Daniel Craig is probably my favorite of the recent ones and and connery i would think is the the gold standard um for the franchise in, in my opinion i really if, if we're going to outlaw lazenby because i mean that's mm-hmm. fair he only got the one although i would <laughs> rank him high on the list no matter what um i i think dalton and brosnan has to have their respects and brought mm-hmm. something interesting but i would probably go with craig as well uh not mm-hmm. because he's one that i grew up with i saw both dalton and brosnan uh back in the day even if i was young but because mm-hmm. I think he had the best overall continuity of his movies. It was it was the best continuation of a story for that one Bond. You know, mm-hmm. the, a lot of the other Bonds just kind of were like, Bond to villain, Bond to villain, Bond to villain, save the world, save the world, get the girl, bang the girl, Spectre, save the yeah, world. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> it, it, it took it took five movies and it didn't quite make them like you know a quadrilogy or whatever you want to call it, but it the really had it. Yeah an overarching story between all of them that tied in quite well. And it was, it was really nice little bow around it at the end. And and you felt bad, you know, but you knew that like, this is how it has to end is if we're going to keep going. And, and that's the whole point. And that will be interesting to see what they do. I'm sure they're not going to follow our idea. I'm sure they're just going to be like, new James (laughs) Bond. We're just going to reset everything. Maybe some characters carry over. Like we had M carry over from the previous franchise into the Mm -hmm. current Bond franchise. But Mm-hmm. Um, whatever they do, it is interesting to see what they're going to do. I mean, even if they don't clear the deck and keep Nomi on as 007, I think wisely spending a few years with Bond off screen before you bring him back again would be smart. I agree. The, the, these these ebbs and flows of these franchises, you know, they they need some time to kind of just like, you know, a little bit of a break, a little bit of a reboot, recharge the batteries. And this is the perfect timing. I mean, you, you took who was, you know, Bond for the last 15 plus years and, and now that Bond is no more. So what better time than to give it a break, let the writing recommence, you know, keep going, back, go back in the lab, figure it out and start fresh. And with that, this has been Not So Live from Asteroid G. I'm Mike Finkelstein. I am not volunteering to be the next James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> with me in the booth was... It was the other Mike. I bought you as a, a nice little version of Q, though. I could see you come up with some fun <laughs> gadgets. <laughs>
don't know. I, I, I don't think they want me for that role. <laughs> <laughs> but we will see you guys next time.